Pastor Rob, Micah, and James, and a bunch of our congregants are enjoying Israel, touring around. And so Pastor Rob wanted to intro me, and so they, they threw a video together. So let's play that video. Good morning, everybody. This is Rob. Now, I'm not with you this morning because I'm in Israel, and behind me is the Galilee, and it's sunset in Israel as we're ending the Sabbath, the Shabbat. So I'm sorry I'm not with you, but you're in good hands because this morning you got Pastor John Mink. And I asked John to fill in for me in my absence so that he could share with you uh, what God's doing with uh, him and some other fellows that are planting a church down in Camarillo. So I'm, I'm excited about what he's going to share with you today about the vision, about the church he wants to plant in Camarillo. And just to let you know, John and his wife Katie have served our church for five years and they have been a great blessing to us. And I'm excited what the Lord's going to do in and through them as they head down to Camarillo for that church plant. So be encouraged today as John shares with you, and uh, I'll be with you on May 12th. Uh, We get back May 11th, and I'll be with you for church next week. So God bless you guys. Happy Sunday, and enjoy John Mink. And John, Katie, we love you guys, and we're so grateful for five years of faithful service. So have a wonderful day to all of you. God bless, and see you soon. And with that, we're in it. Uh, ushers, if you guys want to hand out Bibles now. There's also flyers on your seat, but we weren't able to repopulate all the flyers on the seat. So if you need one, the ushers, I think, have some. They can hand some out. So it's been five years and eight months, and I'm not going to let those eight months go that easily. <laughs> Bible, Bible. Awesome. All right, well, I am in desperate need of the Lord, and you are in desperate need of the Lord, so it would do us well to go before him and pray, and we're going to jump into our study. Father, thank you for who you are, what you've done for us, Lord Jesus, for pursuing me, for pursuing us, and Holy Spirit for abiding and and bearing fruit in our lives. We thank you for it. Lord, now in this, this special moment, this, this special day that we set aside to gather together as your bride, as your body, I humbly come before you and Lord say, if there's any agenda in me, would you get rid of it? Lord, if there's anything that I simply want to say because I want to say it, would you get rid of it? And Lord, would, would your truth ring out? Holy Spirit, would you speak? And Lord, likewise for us as we hear, Would anything that's not of you, Lord, would you let that just fall by the wayside? But Lord, would your truth that's proclaimed bury itself deep in our hearts, that it would take root in our lives? Lord, that we would be better off having been with each other, rubbing shoulders with one another, communing together. I ask all this, Lord, for your glory, for your fame, for the expanse of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. All right. Well, if you missed the last two Sundays here at God Speak and you haven't heard via social media, word of mouth, and fell asleep during that intro video, then the news to you would be that Katie and I, being led by the Lord, are being called to leave what's comfortable, leave what we know here, and go plant a church in Camarillo. 
And so what Rob has asked me to do is share a bit of the vision of, of what's brought us, a bit of the story of what's brought us to this, this moment in time, this decision that we're making, and share some of the vision of this church plant that we're doing, and also share in ways that you as our family, the ones that uh, I've had the privilege of, to serve for the last five years and eight months, uh, I'm sure there's ways that you'll, you want to support us and rally around us and pray for us and how can we help. Uh, and so I'd like to share in those ways. If you see, that's what all those cards are. As you can see, there's a website on the back of one of them and the other one is the, the white paper you can simply fill out and you can drop it in our agape boxes. And then the other one with that cute little uh, picture of my family on it, you can take that home and put it on your fridge and be praying for us. And uh, see how the Lord would want you to lead you and guide you into partnering with us um, as we take this huge step of faith as a family. And uh, I would be grateful and excited to see how the Lord uses you as his hands and feet um, in this step to expand his kingdom. So what I want to do today is I want to start off by giving you uh, a bit of the story of how we got here, and then share uh, some of the vision of this new church plan and what we're doing. And then I'm going to seamlessly and profoundly transition us into a Bible study out of Matthew that is just going to leave you all so in awe and wonder (laughs) at my speaking ability. Um, And then, I love how the Lord has orchestrated this, is that then at the end of all of it, uh, we get to celebrate today at the Lord's table. So we have a lot to cover. I'm excited about it. I pray, and I have been praying for you all. Uh, I was in here late last night actually praying for these chairs. And if that's weird to you, then, ooh, weird. Um, But I'm praying that the Lord has already been, the Holy Spirit's already been softening your hearts and preparing you to receive his word today. So there's a lot to cover. You guys ready? ready? Jump in. Let's do it together. All right, so if you know Katie and I, uh, and you've been at God Speak for any period of time, uh, you know that the last few years have seemed like and and have been in our family what seems like trial after trial after trial after trial. I would say the last five, uh, maybe six years, because it started right when we were transitioning uh, to to God Speak. It all started with... um, my wife getting diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and us not being able to get that under control and we had to wait to have kids until we would get that under control. And once we got a little under control, we got pregnant with Everly. But then that led to there was supposedly something that was wrong with Everly's brain and the stress of all that. Uh, and then my dad, that just went right into my dad's battle with cancer and not thinking that my dad was going to ever meet any of my kids with Everly, our daughter being our firstborn. And he was also in the early stages of dementia at that point. And then that just led into a long road. If you know anyone or if you've gone through suffering, of losing someone through dementia, that's a, that's a rough road. Uh, so we had years uh, of just navigating my dad and, and that disease and what that brought, which ultimately led to a last really hard year. And last really hard months 
uh, until my dad's passing, which then took us for Katie and I, we were renting a place in Camarillo and we picked up and we moved back to Santa Clarita where all of our family lives just to uh, try to heal and to help in healing. Um, And so for a year, I commuted back and forth from Santa Clarita to work here while trying to cope with my own grief um, while my family was, we were living in Santa Clarita. And, and during that time, um, as you probably understand, you guys all live this same life, is that we're all clawing and scratching to keep our heads above the waves of depression and sorrow. And in doing so, uh, so often we leave scars and wounds on the ones we love the most, who are around us as we're just clawing to stay above the surface. And so it was a, that first year living back at home in Santa Clarita was, was really hard. It was really rough. And so then that led right into a season of, we moved back out here, but we didn't move together. Is Katie moved in with her mom and dad with the three kids, and I moved out here, and we were uh, fortunate enough to be able to buy a home And for five months, I lived separate from them while I fixed up the house. And so I would work, get up early, work on the house, come in, get whatever I needed to done, get done here. And then I'd go back and I'd work up until I couldn't work anymore. And I'd just lay down in this mess of a bed and pass out till I did it the next morning. I thought about bringing a picture of a of where I was sleeping, the first time Katie came to visit me and she saw it, she's like, oh my goodness, you cannot be living like this. It is just dust everywhere and the concrete floor and there's this thin mat with a pillow that used to be brown, or used to be white, is now brown, and I think I had like a guitar laying right next to it. It was brutal. So for five months living apart from my family, um, and in the midst of all of that, took on our care ministry here at Godspeak, relaunched our Sunday night service where I wasn't teaching regularly and immediately thrown in to teach every Sunday night. It was hard. And then in the midst of all of that, there was this little thing, you guys might remember it, but we moved the entire church <laughs> to a different location. So it's just a stressful time, but I don't, I don't say all this to, to pull on all your heartstrings and be like, oh my gosh, geez, somebody give that guy a break. Can I just write him a check? Like, how depressing. Uh, I don't say all that to, to make you feel that way. The point is, I want to paint you a picture of where we are in life, where Katie and I were at this very moment. We were finally back together as a family, living under the same roof, uh, recovering. We, we had some distance on the, the passing of my dad, so I was, I was starting to experience some healing. Uh, we were enjoying my wife being in remission with her uh, autoimmune disease. We were enjoying our growing family. We now have our Everly, but we have our, our two little boys, Daxton and Breaker. Uh, we were at a place where we just wanted uh, rest. We wanted peace. We wanted routine. We just wanted a break. And as the Lord works, it was during this time that the Lord began impressing something on my heart. And it wasn't, there wasn't a voice. 
there was no undeniable sign. There was really nothing at all except for the fact of I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew something huge, a massive season change was coming, and that's all I knew. And so as the Lord was preparing my heart for something that I, I had no details on, um, I wanted to prepare Katie's heart for it as well. And so I remember we're driving together and I tell her, all right, I have no idea what this means and I have no idea what it entails or when it's happening, but the Lord is making it clear to me that a huge season change is coming and he's preparing my heart. And so I want to lead you well and prepare your heart. So buckle up. Uh, And my wife, just the rock star that she is, knowing the season that we're in, right? This is a time of like, oh, we're finally living back together. Like she's watched, she's, she's living apart from her husband, raising kids. And if you don't have kids, like kids after so many days with dad not around start to test the limits. And so like my wife is dealing with that. And so I'm telling her, hey, like right when things are like, oh, we can settle. Like the Lord's about to just stir everything up. And her response is, awesome. I'll follow you anywhere. She's special. So, and again, how the Lord works. The very next day, uh, I'm working out in the front yard and Katie comes out to do, again, just being awesome. She's probably coming out to offer me ice water or a lemonade or something. Uh, she comes outside and right then, uh, my buddy John Noyes, who's here today, was driving down Wendy and he'd never been to our house before, but he sees me. And so he pulls down our street and we begin to have a long but really lighthearted conversation, just catching up, um, just talking about ministry. John was a full-time pastor at the time that this was going on, and we're just talking, and my wife is standing on the porch listening. And even though it's a lighthearted conversation, it was evident to me, uh, and I don't even think John knows this, uh, but it was evident to me in that moment that this was the thing that the Lord was impressing on my heart. And so we say, see you later. John gets back in his his car and leaves. And I don't have to say a word. I turn to Katie, who's still standing on the porch. And I remember exactly what she said, but her jaw is on the floor. And she goes, wow, that's crazy. We just talked about this. And it was our first kind of, geez, this is so weird, but so cool that the Lord is affirming This wild thing that's in my heart that I share with my wife that she bears witness with and now it's going further and and taking further steps. And so from that point on, we just started taking one step at a time in faith, not seeing far down the road, just seeing maybe at best enough to take that one step that we're taking. And I soon found myself uh, regularly meeting with John Noyes, who's here, uh, my longtime buddy, Nate Stead, and my new best bud, David Deutsch, who's also here. Um, 
And it was these men that the Lord knit my heart together with. And through lots of prayer, lots of conversations, lots of texts and emails, and more conversation and more texts and emails and more prayer and prayer and prayer, we find ourselves here at this place, leaving what's comfortable, what's secure, and stepping out together as four men who simply stake our lives on the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can, I can speak for these men. Our, our goal is to not build a name for ourselves, to build a church that points to us, but to build a place that will expand the kingdom, that will make his name great. That we can share of the goodness and of his faithfulness. And we can also put ourselves in a place where we allow the Lord to demonstrate his faithfulness and his power in our lives. So that brings us to today, this first Sunday in May. And in two weeks, we're having, on the 19th, we're having our first preview service. And then in just a few short weeks after that, June 2nd, we'll be fully launching uh, this new church in Camarillo. The church's name is uh, Soli Deo Gloria Church. Glory to God alone. We call it Soli Church for short. But that's the filter by which everything's going through. That the point of this, the point of everything that we do is to bring glory to God. Not glory to me, not glory to these guys, not glory to anything else, but to God, but to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And even with how obvious the Lord has been to Katie and I in this, uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I still get anxious and I still worry. I have, June is quickly approaching. I have no idea how we're paying our bills in June. That's scary, but it's exciting. It's exciting knowing that, Lord, you're going to have to work. Lord, you're going to have to move. And I trust that you haven't brought us this point just to pull out the rug from underneath us and abandon us. But you've proven faithful in life. And though I, I wouldn't wish the, the, the trials that we had, and this is, this is God's economy. It's so awesome I worked. I, would, I wouldn't wish the trials that we've had before they happen. But I can see now, as I look in the rearview mirror, I can see how the Lord has been gently guiding us this whole way and teaching us and, and building us up and walking us through tragedy and, and storm and trial for this very moment. So we're excited. We're excited to see the Lord prove himself. We're excited in a season of adventure. Uh, it's going to be fun. And so right, right here, I just want to stop and say, I, I'm sure a lot of you, as I've been here for the last six years, our hearts are knitted together. I'm sure the question with a lot of you is, is how can we support? And that's what I tried to spell out um, on these cards for you. On the back of the one with the picture, you see there's a website. There's 
ways that you can go about supporting us financially as a family um, and also information you can be going to the website and seeing what we're doing, but just be praying for us. Uh, Starting a church is no small feat. Um, So I ask, um, please take this before the Lord and see what he prompts on your heart. Don't let it come from me. Don't let any guilt come from me, any compulsion come from me. Um, But take this before the Lord and see how the Lord moves in you. And I'm trusting that he's moving in me. Amen? So as me and these three other men begin dreaming, meeting together regularly, just talking, dreaming at first, really, uh, there was one theme and one word, really, that kept coming up over and over and over again. And that was rest. And not in the sense of, hey, guys, how do we build a church where we can just kick up our feet and really do nothing <laughs> at all? Although, if you want, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, but why is it so hard for us to get off the hamster wheel of life? Sure, our bodies get tired. Sure, there's times where we need rest and some downtime. But there's a deeper restlessness that we seem to carry into every area of our lives. With that in mind, I'd like to read to you guys our vision statement for this new church, for Soli Church. The thing by which we filter what we're doing. It says, Our times are the days of anxiety, restlessness, depression, and distraction. Daily life is a performance soul-crushing grind that plays the thief in our identity and joy. God's substitutes are available everywhere and yet cannot answer the eternity in our hearts. The church of Jesus Christ is God's messy answer to all of this. The body of Christ is where we are re-narrated each week in the gospel through word, water, bread, wine, and life together. At Soli Deo Gloria Church, we exalt in this simple truth. The rest we all crave is found only in the finished work of Christ. Christ alone is the beginning, middle, and end of all things. We glory in the fact that Christ has accomplished full and final salvation for his people. It is in Christ alone, received by grace-given faith alone, that we find peace for the anxious, hope for the depressed, salvation for the sinner, and a still point for the distracted. You see, part of the human condition is this restlessness. And though we may do our best to hide it, to minimize it, the fact is that we wake up every morning instinctually looking for an answer to this uneasiness that we carry with us. If you would, open up in your Bibles to Matthew eleven twenty-eight. This is that seamless transition that I warned you about. I'm going to try to unpack three things for us out of Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Why do we need rest? What is rest? And where do we get it? To give you a little backstory on where we are at this point, Jesus has just made clear his frustrations with the cities where most of the work has been done and yet they're still unrepentant. They're still unbelieving. 
And then he goes on to say to the father, he says, Father, thank you that you haven't revealed yourself to the wise, to the puffed up, to the proud, to the lofty ones. But Father, thank you. You've revealed yourself to the little children. And then he goes on to verse 28, where he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So to our first question, why do we need rest? The simple answer is because Jesus says you do. When Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, he isn't taking a wild guess that maybe some people around him and maybe some people throughout history are a little restless and maybe this will link up with them. No. Jesus knows us to our very core. He knows our uneasiness. He knows that gaping hole. He knows how we're longing for answers that nothing can seem to fill. Ecclesiastes 3 says that God has put eternity in our hearts. Our hearts long for eternity, for something that will make sense of this life, for something that will answer the deep, deep questions of life. This is the daily performance, soul-crushing grind that I referenced just a minute ago in our vision. And though the root of this restlessness is the same in our lives, it bears itself differently in all of our lives. For some of you, it's anxiety. Anxiety that haunts you. Never sure of what's right around the corner. Never sure who's going to abandon you next. Never sure if you're going to make it through the next storm that comes your way. For some of you, it's depression. Looking for anything to fill the gaping wound that you carry with you everywhere. And no matter what you run to and how much of it you consume, you always walk away feeling empty still. Walking around continuously with that gaping wound. For some of you, it's work and busyness. Constantly feeling as though the ground beneath you is giving way. And the only way that you can keep from plummeting to your doom is just to stay in constant motion. Just constantly be going. You place rest on the horizon of life. Hoping that one day you can turn in all your work, all your, busy, all your busyness, all your finances in exchange for just a few years of peace and rest. We're a weary and burdened people, constantly feeling like we need to be performing so that we're accepted. I'd venture to guess that right now in this room, everybody has one or two things that just seem to own you. And probably as I say that, they rush to your head just now. And there's an uneasiness in your chest Because you're looking at those things and seeing you're ashamed of them. You feel like you should have graduated past them at this point in life. Even knowing that the Apostle Paul says that he's the chief of sinners. And in Romans 7 he says, For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. We have this instinctive pressure to perform, to be accepted. This is why you and I need rest. This is the uneasiness. And though I couldn't pinpoint yours, 
and you couldn't pinpoint mine, I know, because I know me, I know the uneasiness that we carry. The feeling as though we've been holding our breath for years and just wanting to exhale. Hiding the, the real, raw realness of life just to be accepted. So if we can agree that we need rest, then the next logical question is, well, what is this rest? What Jesus is speaking of isn't a physical state. What Jesus talks of is a much deeper rest. This is a a rest for our souls. A deep and complete exhale from the depths of our very being. And with our modern definition of rest, it would be easy to equate this to inactivity. But inactivity would paint a wrong picture for what Jesus is talking about here. If I can help you understand, understand it this way, imagine somebody comes to you and says, hey, every debt that you have, I'm paying that off. And every bill that you, are, you will ever have moving forward, I don't care what it is, I've taken care of that as well. You're good to go. What would you do? Right, yeah. You! It sounds fun, right? For some of us, if not all of us, there's going to be a season of time right after that where we go, yes, I'm going home and I'm laying on the couch and doing nothing. I'm putting my feet up, I'm watching some dumb show, and I'm doing nothing. But after a while, after that season has passed, there's going to be a time where you get up and you start to do again. Maybe you go on a road trip. Maybe you start reading more. Maybe you pick up a new hobby. Maybe you golf more. Maybe you uh, spend time with friends more. Maybe you you try making new friends. I know for me, I would throw the whole family in the van in a van and just hit the road. I would read as much as I could. I would play my guitar until my fingers bleed. And I would surf my brains out every day. That's it. My super spiritual list of what I would do. But the point is this. That at some point you would begin to do again. And you might actually begin doing some things that you were doing before. But something major has changed. Your motive. Your your motive is completely different. Now instead of doing things because you have to, you are doing things because you get to. You're free. You're free to try. And you're free to fail. You're free to swing. You're free to miss. You're free. This rest I'm talking of isn't inactivity, but a freedom and security in activity. I'm going to say that again because I know you want me to. The rest that I speak of isn't inactivity, but a freedom and security in in activity. For the anxious, it's Psalm ninety-four, nineteen. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. For the depressed, it's Psalm 3, 3. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head. For the busy, it's Psalm 4, 8. In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. This rest is a diamond 
that refracts into every area of our life. Yet, we readily exchange that freedom for the familiarity of chains. Author Chad Bird said it like this, The life of a follower of Jesus could be summed up in three words. Adjusting to freedom. We're so accustomed to life behind bars that life beyond bars is frightening. Though we have this freedom, we continuously return to our jail cell because it's what's comfortable. It's what's familiar. And I don't have time to unpack the depths of that right now, but that is why it is so important for us to dwell in community together as the body of Christ. I am a terrible witness to myself and a terrible counselor to myself. And guess what? So are you. We need each other. We need to be speaking this freedom over each other constantly as much as we can and pulling each other out from behind those bars that we so quickly run back to. We need to be living in this community. The ministry does not simply happen from these few steps and all of a sudden there's this magical ministry that comes off this pulpit. The ministry is the body of Christ. It's us, my brothers and sisters. It's you and me together, living together and speaking the truth, the identity that Christ has claimed over you and I. We need each other. We're built that way. We're a body. Amen? So if in our hearts we realize that we're weary and we're heavy laden, and then there's an excitement in our hearts of, I like the sound of this freedom. I like the sound of this rest. Then the last question is, where do we get it? Where do we get this rest? And this is my favorite question because it has my favorite answer. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Now catch this. Jesus not only gives it, Jesus is it. Jesus not only gives it, Jesus is it. Jesus isn't simply a dispenser of things. But he gives us something better. He gives us himself. So he doesn't simply give us patience, but he gives us his patient self. He doesn't simply give us grace, but he gives us his gracious self. He doesn't simply give us love, but he gives us his loving self. And he doesn't simply give us rest, but he gives us himself. And in him, we find perfect and complete rest. Jesus provides this shockingly simple yet deep answer to our lifelong question. And that is our biggest struggle with it. Because in our 21st century minds, we want lists. We want things that we need to do. We want five keys to happiness. We want four habits that'll lead to a better life. And Jesus offers us none of that. None of it. But he offers us something simple, yet eternally better. He offers us himself. This simple solution finds its weight, its depth, in that Jesus is not merely a man, but he is who he says he is. He's creator, savior. He's the Messiah. 
He's able to lift the burdens that we carry every day and to free us from the chains that we continually run back to. We so badly want to have to earn and want to have to run back to our chains that we quickly read onto verse 29 where it says, take my yoke upon you. And we stop right there and we let that affirm in our lives. That's right. I need to earn this. I need to earn my way there because he said, take this yoke. But it's clear from the context of that verse that Jesus is talking of all these cities where they've seen him work and they still are unrepentant and they still don't believe in him. And then he goes on to say, as I unpacked before, that Lord, you haven't revealed, thank you, Father, you haven't revealed yourself to the wise, but you've revealed yourself to the little children. This yoke that Jesus is talking about is simple. It's believe. That's it. Believe. Believe that I am who I say I am. Believe like little children that I'm the only one who can carry your burden. Believe I'm the son of God and I have done what I said I was going to do. It's this simple answer that we struggle with so intensely. We want it for some reason. We want it to be hard. We want it to be complicated. And it seems as though our brokenness runs so deep that often we're rooting against ourselves. And we, we hide ourselves away in hopes of fixing ourselves. And in hiding ourselves, we put ourselves back in a cell of hopelessness, never able to fix ourselves, never able to answer these deep questions for ourselves. Christian, Jesus hasn't come to step in in your life when you forget a line. Jesus has come to completely take over and tear up the script. He has come to fully step in as he gives you himself and himself completely. Through the completed work of Christ, you and I have freedom to run in this life. Not because we have to, but because we simply get to. He has gone before you not only blotting out our sins, but he's gone before and he's filled our ledger with his righteousness. Though you may know all your sins and keep an account of all your wrongdoings, guess what? Your father in heaven doesn't. He sees you through Christ. He sees you as righteous right now. Christian, can you believe that? I pray the Lord sinks that into your soul today. You're righteous. Not looking forward to someday, right now. Christian, you're righteous. And that's how your father views you, through the completed work of Jesus. And so knowing that, Christian, rest. You don't need to perform anymore. Rest. Take a deep breath. You're secure. He loves you. You're righteous. Rest in him. So here we are, Katie and I, at this moment where all we want is rest. And it doesn't seem really restful to leave a steady paycheck and hope that work 
comes my way and that I can find something. It doesn't seem restful to start a church from scratch with the mountain of hurdles that lay in front of us, some that we see and some we can't see. It doesn't seem restful to leave what's familiar, to leave you guys, what's family, and go walking into the unknown, not knowing what, but just hanging on to the Lord. Him hanging on to me. It's a better turn of phrase. But I know that finding rest in all of those things, though they're all good, I know finding rest in those is an illusion. I know it's not real. I know like every other created thing in this world, they can't hold the weight of eternity. The only one that can bring Katie and I rest is our Savior Jesus. The only one that can bring you rest is your Savior Jesus. And though your circumstances around you will constantly change and will constantly change till the day you're not here on this earth anymore. Your rest does not abide in those things, in your control of the situation, in your plans, in your ability to navigate this life. Your rest resides in the only one capable of holding it. That's Jesus. Anything else we place that, that hope in, it's going to break our hearts. C.S. Lewis said it like this, idols always break the hearts of their worshipers. Anything we place our hope in, though there may be a time where you think you figured it out, maybe that thing satisfied that craving for a moment. In the end, they all end up failing. They all end up turning to dust and they all end up breaking our hearts. But the only one who is sure, who is a firm foundation, who has followed through every time and forever will, is Jesus. And he gives himself to us so that we can enjoy him and so that we can find rest in him. That he can answer these deep, deep questions that we have in life. That though it doesn't make sense to what we see around us, that life will make sense following him, knowing that we're secure in him. That you and I didn't wake up this morning having to earn our way back into the good graces of the Father, but we woke up this morning at rest in Jesus. I'm so grateful for that. And how quickly we forget it, right? How quickly we return to our chains. How quickly we feel like we need to perform. But Jesus says to us today, Christian, rest. One of the unique ways the Lord has given himself to us is through what we celebrate. And I mean that word when I say it, celebrate. We celebrate the Lord's table. Jesus invites you today where he is both the host and the meal. And you and I bring nothing to this table. You don't bring any works. 
None of us have earned our way here. But through the completed work of Christ, we celebrate in what this means for us. That we declare the Lord's death until he comes again. That he has paid for everything that I have ever done and everything I ever will do. That I have his identity and that I can rest in him. What we take in the Lord's table should bring joy in our hearts. And though we remember that Christ was, his body was broken, his blood was shed, that it was brutal, we remember that. But we can't forget the mission, the point of why he did that. It's not simply for us to feel sad for what our Savior did for us, but to rejoice in that it was the completion of the work that he did it for all of us, that all of us are now free people. We don't need to flog ourselves and somehow remember every sin we've ever committed from the last time we took communion. You don't need to do that today. Let me lift that burden off your shoulders. What we do today is we celebrate in taking this tiny little meal and we take this meal together and rejoice in what Christ has done for us, declaring his death, declaring that he has set us free. And that we are a free people because of him. So I'm going to make one request. And this is my last request as uh, probably the last time I will be taking communion with you guys as a pastor at Godspeak. And that is this, that as the ushers dismiss you and you collect the elements and you go back to your seats, I ask that you would just wait. And I know this is different. But I ask that you would wait to take the elements so that we can take them all together. So we can have this meal together and we can rejoice together. And that what the Lord has done for us, he's done for us. The body. For us together. A community. And though he has set you free individually, he has not set you free to individuality. But he's set you free so that you can declare over your brothers and sisters their freedom. And when you see themselves trying to perform, when you see them running back to their jail cells, that you would declare their freedom through the finished work of Christ. Amen?